Station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Well, the latest scan of the Doppler 7 radar shows the entire Miami Valley is blanketed in rain. Now, the freezing rain activity, according to the radar, is holding off to just the northern parts of the Miami Valley. Looks like parts of Champaign and Clark counties, but sticking north of I-70 primarily. It's 32 degrees in Troy, 34 in Springfield, and 35 here in Dayton at 907. With news on the hour, the half, and instantly when it breaks, I'm Jonah Adi, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. HIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Depend on it. The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. I'm Storm Center 7 meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. We're watching the radar right now. If weather breaks, we break in immediately. Here on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And I'm Dayton's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. You're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend. Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show, and the show that's all about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria's away today. She's a little under the weather. I know you send your best, and she sends her best right back. Grab hold of a, a cup of joe or your favorite beverage. This show's a little different. As uh, longtime listeners will know, we talk about all co- kinds of things here that affect us, uh, usually in the later half of our, of our life. Uh, and this is the place where we talk about the seasons of your life and strive to provide better understanding and insight in matters of health, caregiving, relationships, lifestyle transitions, and a whole lot of other things. You can check out our website at thereisaseasonshow.com to see what I mean. You can also enjoy and share a podcast of this program through uh, the website and also Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn app, the iHeart Podcasts, and a lot of other places. Just look for There is a Season in Today's Date. And of course, I'd love to hear your feedback today. We always like to hear your feedback, so you can go to our contact form. It's under the In Touch tab at thereisaseasonshow.com, or you can write to us at any time at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So you know how we frequently talk about the idea of becoming on the show? Not becoming on the show, per se, but becoming in your own life. You know, we talk about that a lot, no matter what age you are. We've revisited that theme in some of our recent shows, and we've talked about that uh, during some presentations Gloria and I gave in the last year. Well, often implicit in the use of the phrase becoming is the idea of personal action, something we're doing or should be doing, perhaps, that furthers our purpose or gives us some meaning in this life. And often our encouragement to our listeners has been to get up, to move, to seek new challenges, with the goals, ideally, of continuing to grow and continuing to serve people. It is in part about us using our passion and talents to live a full life that we help to bring about, but it's also about keeping our ears and eyes and hearts open for opportunities that arise from outside of ourselves. Now, having said that, that is, having discussed these facets of becoming through our own efforts and through those opportunities that land in our lap, I think most of us still have the tendency to lean toward that which we can author regarding our becoming. We operate from a perspective of volition, choice, self-determination, the path that we lay out for ourselves. 
what we can do, what we can achieve, what effect we can still have on others in this life, and what our purpose is here. That you might have any of these reflections about purpose in the world is a, is a good thing, and I think it's natural, and it may even lead you to begin clearing away some of the clutter in your life, or maybe question the work you've been doing all these years, perhaps the job you've been in. Maybe you'll start to question where you've been spending your money, your time, and your energy. It wouldn't surprise me if now and again the word vocation cropped up in your vocabulary while you're having these reflections. Maybe it comes up in discussions that you have with your family and your close friends. Isn't vocation that thing that whispers to you now and again that you more often than not end up ignoring? So if you are a reflective person at all, if you, if you do sometimes find yourself having that yearning you know, for something more in life, is it vocation that you're thinking about? What is this thing called vocation? Is it the job or profession that we really should have been doing all along instead of that career we kind of stumbled into and through maybe for years or decades? Is it using those special talents we've always known we had, those things that we felt were kind of unique to us, but we just couldn't summon it up in a way that it would be the thing that we did or the thing that we were known for in this life? What do you think vocation is? Well, we pondered this for a while, and as is our custom, we come across some interesting uh, other information and, and thoughts about this and reflections about this, and we we uncovered an article here from a publisher called Plow. It's P-L-O-U-G-H dot com. And uh, without getting into it uh, a ton, I can just tell you that this Plow Publishing is an independent publisher of books about faith and society and spiritual life. And they've been in business for a long, long time. And one of the articles we came across was called The Unchosen Calling. And I wanted to share it with you today. Both of us did... Um, and uh, Gloria said uh, her voice was <laughs> a little stressed at this point, so she made a, she might have squeaked through her parts of this. So I'm going to do it here uh, in her stead. And it's it's a bit of a, a longer article, but we're going to try to get through as much as we can. Um, I think you'll find this fascinating with regard to the idea of vocation, and maybe maybe you'll alter your thinking just a little bit with what that word means, what it means for you personally. The author of this article is William H. Willimon. And this appeared in one of the quarterly magazines that Plow.com provides. And the article reads like this. Among the important things never mentioned at Sunday dinner conversations among the Willimons was the embarrassment of my father. What am I to say when they ask, where's your father? I'd ask. This is the author as a young man. My mother's most detailed response just say that your father doesn't live here anymore. Well, that's a relief. At least there was a time when I had a father. I mined my memory for some shred of recollection. I remembered climbing into a man's lap and watching him fill his pipe with tobacco. There was also the scratch of whiskers. Then there was a memory of being in Skelton's grocery store with a man with a pipe who pulled a cold dope out of the cooler and handed it to me. When he did, someone in the store asked, a Coca-Cola for your grandson, right, Bob? The man who had given me the drink replied, Gotta hell, that's my son. But beyond that, there was nothing. There was a tobacco humidor with pipes on the living room shelves. Was that Daddy's? I asked. 
Yes, was all I got. Sniffing the amber-colored jar provided my sole tangible confirmation of paternity. One day, when I was alone, rummaging in the desk I was forbidden to open, I found a letter from the warden of the U.S. prison in Atlanta. Quote, to whom it may concern, the prison record of Robert C. Williman has been exemplary. Unquote. Well, now, how would I live up to Daddy's success as a convict? As student body president of Hughes Junior High, I gave a speech one night to the PTA. The editor of the Greenville News came up afterwards and said, You've sure got that Willimon gift of gab. Who's your daddy, Charles or Gene? I gulped. Robert was my father. <laughs> no kidding. Didn't know Bob had a boy as young as you. Then he bent down and he whispered, Bob could talk a preacher into breaking the Ten Commandments. That son of a bitch talked me out of $10,000. Left town, never paid back a cent. Another profession, banking, apparently closed to me forever now. But I'll tell you this, he went on. If your daddy walked right through that door and said, Bill, give me $10,000, I've got a great idea that'll make you rich, I would whip out my checkbook. God Almighty, what a man with words. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell his people. Well, Methodists adore this passage. It's what the song, Here I Am, Lord, written by the Jesuit Dan Schutte in 1981, evolved to become sort of a Methodist national anthem. That's what it's based on. Few Methodists make it through two stanzas of this this hymn without volunteering to go evangelize Zulus or at least shed a light, uh, shed a maudlin tear. The chorus runs, Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. The author says, Note the prevalence of the first-person personal pronoun as vocation degenerates into volunteering. Caught in this syrupy tune, I wonder how many singers are truly challenged by the encounter with a summoning God. How many are actually willing to accept the risk of being rescued from our overly cultivated subjectivity? Never have so many been so free to get so much of what they want, yet have so little notion of the life worth wanting. Vocation, called for by God, is a term scarcely used anymore. Vocation's power, said Herman Hesse, is when the soul is awakened so that instead of dreams and presentiments from within, a summons comes from without and an external relation presents itself and makes its claim. The notion of an unchosen calling seems odd, schooled as we are in the fiction that our lives are our exclusive possessions to use as we choose. Who am I, or why am I here, evokes in unison the widely held individualist creed. I am fabricated, autonomous, my own personal property, the sum of my astute choices and my heroic acts of detachment from anyone more important than me. I bow to no claim other than that to which I have freely consented. I am the captain of my fate, master of my soul, author of the story that is me. This is from The Unchosen Calling by William H. Willimon. And it's an interesting article that I'm going to that we're just getting into now. We're going to be talking today about 
vocation. What do you think is going on here with this article? Well, you'll find out, of course, here on the other end of this break. But have you pondered the idea of vocation much in your life? Is it more than a career? Is it even more than something you think you're suited to? Could it be that we've got a cultural perspective on this that we've adopted without really thinking about it? Vocation, that's our topic today. 457-1290. If you'd like to join the conversation, 937-457-1290. Back with more for you in just a few moments. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. Gloria's away today, 457-1290, if you'd like to join in on our conversation today about vocation. Reading from an article here that we found very moving. It's called The Unchosen Calling by William H. Willimon, and it should provoke some things in you. Uh, And I'm trying to do my best here to capture all the aspects of how he's moved through dialogue and some stories about his past here. But if you will, just uh, ride along here and we'll keep going. So he writes here, the author, Christians assert the un-American conviction that our lives are less interesting than the God who assigns us. To paraphrase Aquinas, we're contingent creatures. We're the moon, not the sun. Our light is derivative, reflective of the light of the world, his sun. The God who had the brilliant idea to breathe life into the mud loans breath, but only for as long as God wills. Well, all sorts of lies keep us from knowing the truth of our contingency and our dependency. The myth of self-invention underwrites the market that gives us 50 kinds of pizza and 400 TV channels and calls the resulting wasteland freedom. Never have so many been so free to get so much of what they want, yet have so little notion of the life worth wanting, making it impossible to choose themselves into the good life. Augustine charged that our boasts of Promethean human freedom of choice are but the rattling of our chains, a failure truthfully to acknowledge our masters. In this supermarket of desire, endless, never really satisfied consumption is our fate. I tell myself that I am free of externally imposed masters while failing to admit my serfdom to the most imperious of lords. Me. Modernity compels us to write the story that defines who we are, heroically to choose from a variety of possible plots. Christians, on the other hand, believe that most of the important things that define us are accidental, externally imposed. The question is not, what do I want to do with me, but rather, which God am I worshiping and how is that God having his way with me? Now we come to my discovery of the God who discovered me. And I'll just give you the introduction to this because we won't have enough time here to get through, uh, through the whole story, but we will on the other side of the news. So the author writes, My sophomore dream trip to Europe, envisioned as a 24-hour-a-day, three-month bacchanal, 
was commandeered by God and made a comedy of vocation. By midsummer 1966, a blue VW Beetle, purchased at the factory the Nazis built at Wolfsburg, deposited us in Amsterdam. In the Rijksmuseum, while my buddies explored the city that knows no sin, I stood face to face with the paintings I'd only seen as slides in Constance Armitage's Art History 101 from back in his school days. I wondered before a melancholy Rembrandt self-portrait, so real I had to look away. To my right, an older man intently studied Van Riesdel, a Dutch artist. He looked familiar, but who would know? Who would I know so far from home? Well, it was Dr. Marnie, a week or so of gray beard, but there he was, Carlisle Marnie. Six months before Marnie, as he preferred to be called, had come to Wofford College's annual Religious Emphasis Week. He spoke with his deep voice that sounded like God, if Yahweh had been a Baptist from Tennessee. He swore, even in sermons, and made outrageous comments meant to thrill sophomores like me. I had retained none of his sermon's content, of course, except something about Marnie's horse in the pasture turning its head when Marnie whistled. Impenetrable metaphor for God? Ooh, what a cliffhanger. I think I'll leave it right there. We're talking today about vocation. The author today is William H. Willimon. I'll tell you a little bit more about him on the other side of the news. But I want you to think about this today. What is vocation? Is it something we author, or is it an intrusion from without? What is an unchosen calling? We're going to talk more about that as we get into the article further on the other half of the show. 457-1290, if you've got an inkling or a thought you'd like to share with us. 457-1290 when we continue. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob. Gloria's away today. She's a little under the weather. We're talking today about vocation. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, 457-1290. Reading from a a little bit longer article today uh, called The Unchosen Calling. If I can't get the whole thing in, I will tell you where you can go read the rest of it. I'm hoping some of this will provoke some thought for you. The author is William H. Willimon, and we found the magazine... uh, Plow.com quarterly is where this this was. So as I was going to the news break, I was talking about uh, how this young uh, doctor, uh, not doctor, excuse me, William Willimon, uh, was on a trip uh, to Amsterdam as a young man. And he was going over there looking for, I guess, the usual fun that young men would look for in Europe and wandering around. And he bumps into somebody in an art gallery. And it is Dr. Marnie, one of his former professors. So we'll pick it up there. He hesitantly approached, uh, and I said to him, Dr. Marnie? Well, who the hell are you? He replied, looking me up and down cautiously. I had awoken to an exam for which I had not studied. Uh, Oh, just a student at Wofford where you spoke last spring. Marnie stood there assessing me. Are you in Europe preaching? Um, Well, I, I don't know. Are you? 
I'm here to recover the Jew, he said, punching his finger into my chest. Eight synagogues in five days, rubbing my clean Christian nose in the ashes of the circumcised. Very awkward pause. And you, why are you here, he demanded. Uh, me? Well, I'm, I'm just bumming around Europe with some guys, you know, looking for girls, just having a good time. You take me for some kind of fool, boy. I've been a preacher long enough to know when somebody is lying. Um, then I guess I don't know why I'm here, I stammered. Well, good. Maybe we can get somewhere. Unamuno says knowing that you don't know is the beginning of knowing. May I help? He grabbed my arm. These Dutch have told me more truth than I can take in one afternoon. God, I need a drink. You? <clears throat> Marnie led me down the steps, out the front door, and into the first bar outside the museum. Got bourbon? He called to a waiter across the dim, smoky bar. Doesn't need to be fine, bourbon. This boy doesn't know the difference, and I don't expect good mash this far from home. Two, straight up. Watching Marnie fiddle with his pipe, I was excited at last being taken somewhere dangerous. Now that you've got some liquor in you, he said after his first sip, you ready to talk? No bull. Who brought you here? What's the reason you won't admit? Marnie began tamping sweet-smelling tobacco into his pipe. Uh, I thought I was uh, here just to see Europe. My first time in all. I, I really like art history. You started this barging in when I'm trying to come to terms with Abraham, mumbled Marnie, accusingly, then settling back in his chair, closing his eyes as if he had heard nothing noteworthy out of my mouth. Uh, when you were speaking at Wofford, I got to thinking, or else I finally admitted to myself that I had been thinking, that maybe I ought to think about applying for one of those Rockefeller grants for a trial year at seminary, but Marnie grinned as if he had finally figured me out. Son, life's less monologue and more dialogue. Yes, I had awoken to an exam for which I had not studied. It's just that I'm really bothered that I'd be thinking about seminary. It, it seems kind of crazy, I said nervously. Why crazy? asked Marnie, staring across the bar, feigning disinterest, puffing on his pipe. I began a rambling narration. I grew up without a father, you see. My, my father left us when... Marnie shook his head. No, your daddy can abscond. He can die, disown. But everybody's got some daddy or another. I bet you went out and found one, didn't you? Besides, how the devil does not having a daddy explain you here now? Gods of the living, not the dead. <clears throat> I was uh, grateful for the table between us. I blurted, you see, since I've been at college, I've gotten used to uh, reading Freud, and, and I'm thinking maybe my fixation on God is just my compensation for my lack of a father while I was growing up. You know, wish fulfillment, maybe. <laughs> Probably, smirked Marnie. My, my thinking about God is just my psychological reaction to my daddy being in prison and all. Look, said Marnie, laying aside his pipe and moving toward me across the table as if to grab hold aggravated at having to explain the obvious. Son, God will use any handle God can get. Too long a silence. Then I asked, but how can I figure out what's God and what's my own screwed up background? In an exhale of smoke, Marnie pronounced, Son, 
God will take advantage of any screwed up background, crooked daddy, manipulative mama. Read the scriptures for God's sakes. I swear I've never known a preacher worth a damn who didn't have a bad mama or daddy problem. God can work with either. Be glad you only got one loss for God to take advantage of. Yep, I'm pretty sure God's got your name. Not the first time I've heard this story. You're nobody special. God's fingerprints are all over you. You have time for me to have another of these? He said, pointing to his empty glass. My good man, he shouted to the waiter. This round, don't spoil it with ice. My protege likes it straight. Sometime before dawn, tossing, turning on the dirty mattress in the flea-bag monastic cell that the three of us had rented for $8 a night, accompanied by the sound of some students throwing up in the shared toilet down the hall, I said the words that Paul surely prayed when God blinded him. Why not somebody else? What kind of God would call somebody like me? But I don't want to be a Methodist preacher. Well, that night in Amsterdam was the birth of the accidental. Initially humiliating with Dr. Marnie, but eventually a happy life that is not my own. Summoned, made accountable to someone other than myself, answerable to an externally imposed claim. One day in high school, I asked an aunt to violate family law and tell me about my daddy. Well, here's what she told me. When my older sister and brother were young, my father committed bank fraud or bank robbery or maybe both. It's hard to remember exactly. At the time, Daddy was reputed to have more liens against him for unpaid bills than anybody in the history of Greenville, South Carolina. His Greenville Pick and Speedway Road Construction Company and a dozen other brilliant ideas had busted. He was sent to the federal pen in Atlanta or maybe the one in Indiana at one time or another. It's hard to remember. Through it all, my mother stood by awaiting his return. Daddy was released from jail and returned to the Willimon Place. Nine months later, even though he and my mother were in their 40s, I was born. Alas, my father's troubles resumed, and after some misdeed that broke the proverbial camel's back, one Sunday the family had a meeting and decided it would be better for all if my father would leave. Leave? Mother was consulted and agreed after being told that the family would look after me and my siblings. Daddy was written out of the will, and my brother Bud, my sister Harriet, and I received a 300-acre inheritance that would have gone to him. My mother's sole condition was that no one would ever speak of my father because, quote, the little boy ought not to grow up with that burden. Well, everyone kept that promise. Adults, having made a mess of so much, tended to pride themselves on their ability not to mention a few things that were deemed too unpleasant to lay upon a child. Well, this, of course, presented me with a large void in my little childhood paradise. Well, I was uh, 22 later on and at a family wedding in Raleigh when my Aunt Alice, Alice excuse me, came into the motel room where we were gathered and asked, Would you like to meet your father? You can imagine my thought. Well, yes, I guess. Led to an adjoining room, I was greeted by an older man smoking a pipe. We shook hands. All I saw was an aging relative for whom I had no more feeling than a distant cousin. What a relief to know that God likes to make things. You can't devise yourself from scratch. That went across my head. I hear you've done right well for yourself, he said with a twinkle in his eye. Here you know how to make a dollar. I have heard you were good at talking people out of money. Son, you make me proud. Well, in my first church in Clinton, South Carolina... I had paid a pastoral visit to Miss Agnes, who had been my mother's roommate at Winthrop College. Willie, it seems like only yesterday that you were born. 
she said after having served tea. I remember visiting Ruby when she was expecting you. A terrible year, that was. She didn't care if she lived or died. Hair turned snow white during those nine months. You can't expect her to have been happy about it, a 40-year-old woman surprised by a baby, she said with a little laugh as she offered me a cookie. Still, I understand that you have brought her happiness, and that's nice. Well, you know, I had met my father, and now I had met my aunt, and suddenly it dawned on me. I was the accident, the first fruits of the post-prison daddy. That's why I'm uneasy with the term Planned Parenthood, and thank God that abortion wasn't readily available in 1946. God be praised for Bible stories of embarrassing pregnancies from Sarah to Hagar to Mary. If I could have mustered resentment against my father or the family who cast him out or the vast conspiracy of silence, I could have tested my obedience to Jesus' command to forgive my enemies. I could have been the courageous victim who clenched his fist and overcame all. Alas, my lack of attachment to my unknown father produced too little antipathy for me to get over. I do believe that my father improved my biblical interpretation. St. Paul did jail time, and so did our Lord. It is God that hath made us, and not we ourselves. This was another memorization from school. And these things were beginning to have a profound effect on me. Because I began to realize that humans have careers, but vocation is what God does. The mythologist Joseph Campbell famously defines vocation as following your bliss. It's also been described by other theologians as where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. But bliss is made suspect by Jesus Christ, who casts fire on the earth, turning fire father against son, bringing not peace but a sword. Jesus brings enlistment, incendiary vocation in a mission that sometimes destroys bliss. Just ask Paul, St. Paul that is. I like working with people, therefore, or I'm good with words, so naturally is not the way of vocation. How about nursing sick, pe- sick people? No, that doesn't appeal. Well, what about advertising or some other career? Vocation is not evoked by your bundle of need and desire. Vocation is what God wants from you, whereby your life is transformed into a consequence of God's redemption of the world. Look no farther than Jesus' disciples, remarkably mediocre, untalented, lackluster yokels, to see that innate talent or inner yearning has less to do with vocation than God's thing for redeeming lives by assigning us something to do for God. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. You see how this is intertwined. It may be a little difficult to follow, but you'll get a better sense of it, obviously, if you go to read the, the full article. This is a man who's been on a journey who has struggled to find his identity, missing his father, not knowing what that chapter meant, what that part of his story was all about. And he was troubled as a young man, meeting up with this Dr. Marnie, who challenges him, who intrudes into his life with thoughts about something else that he wasn't really planning. What is vocation? We're talking about it today on There is the Season as we read the article, The Unchosen Calling, by William H. Willimon. We'll have more, plus a little sneak peek of what's coming up next on There is a Season when we return. You're listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. 
Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's news and talk. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's news and talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. We've been talking about vocation today and I've been reading from the article, The Unchosen Calling, which you can find at plow.com. That's P-L-O-U-G-H.com. In their quarterly magazine, number 22, the author is William H. Willimon. And you can read a little bit about his background. But I'll just finish out some of his article here uh, to get you thinking about vocation for the week. Vocation is not evoked by your bundle of need and desire. Vocation is what God wants from you, whereby your life is transformed into a consequence of God's redemption of the world. Look no farther than Jesus' disciples. He calls them remarkably mediocre, untalented, to see that it has little to do with what they are about, but more what God's about in redeeming lives and assigning us something to do. Without a Christ who summons, the sweet voice within is the best we can muster. But who, intently listening to his or, her own, his or her own subjectivity, risks anything as costly and crazy as what God routinely demands? Vocation is not just an inner inclination awaiting discovery by rooting around in the recesses of the ego. As Jesus succinctly says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye would go forth and bring fruit. My adolescent long night in Amsterdam question, what kind of God would choose someone like me, is answered by Scripture. The God who chose Israel and the church chooses the likes of me. He goes on to say, I wasn't a hapless victim of a poorly thought out paternity. I was privileged to have been called for, compelled by my vocation to suck it up, take a deep breath and stand and deliver, lay some Bible verse on him. That would help them make it through the night. This is of his parish that he now is the, uh, the, the pastor of. There was only me to say divine words these folks couldn't say themselves. Somebody's got to deliver the news, the good news for all who dwell in the land of darkness. Be it east of Eden or on the north side of Greenville, South Carolina. Even though we love the darkness rather than the light, God incarnates anyway. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He says, in each of our histories, there is regret and unfinished business. The world, as good as it is, is never enough. There's not enough time, not enough room to complete redemption or full reparation. Even God Almighty shares one limitation with us finite humans, said Aquinas. Even God cannot make our past not to have been. There is no retrieving of the lost days, no recalling just the right Bible verse to make the fix, no taking back the thoughtless word. You can't. That's when you give thanks that the word became flesh, our flesh, and moved in with us. God refused to stay spiritual. The word intrudes with words we cannot say to ourselves. Light shines in our darkness, whether we like it or not. God so loved the world in all of its screwed-upness and regret. There's only us to tell the story. We step forward anyhow. We sing, Oh, come all ye faithful. Come on, all you unfaithful. Let's adore him anyway. We're all messed up. In Wonder Above Wonders, in his dejected little church, 
that nobody has ever heard of, ironically named on Summit Drive in Greenville, South Carolina, this inept preacher who had not mourned the passing of his father, the ex-convict, allows the Alpha and Omega to enter in to their finitude, enter in to their experiences. An odd birth, an absent father, God come to those of unclean lips who would not come to God. Go ahead, Lord, live dangerously and send me. Well, this has got to be one of the more unusual shows you've heard here and there as a season, and that's okay. I want you to think about that this week. Think about vocation. Think about the intrusion of God in our lives. Do we welcome him in, or does he have to come crashing through the door? Check out the article from retired Bishop William H. Willimon at plow.com is where you'll find it. And that's going to do it for us today. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret going older. It is a privilege denied to many. We're here for each other and we're here for you. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria Shanahan, our producer Javon, and everyone who makes the show possible, I'm going to thank you for your time, attention, and interest in what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There is a Season on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.